Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls. For more breakdowns on the Pelicans, including interviews with coaches, journalists, and opposing experts, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Pels fans, welcome to a super late past my bedtime edition of the Bird Calls, but it doesn't matter because we won a playoff game with Anthony Davis. I'm Preston Ellis. I'm joined by Kevin Berrios and David Grubb. Thank you both for staying up so late. Kevin, I'm going to start with you. Follow him at Kevin B for Bounce and of course David Grubb at DM Grubb. Kevin, so much to unpack here. I don't really even know what to say. You just said off the air. It was kind of like Drew Holiday was the MVP of the first quarter, Anthony Davis the second quarter, Nicola Meritich the third quarter, and then early on in the fourth, it was Anthony Davis. Drew Holiday was the closer. Anthony Davis, at one point, I looked at a stat line. Had- Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Four blocks and three steals, and I haven't even looked at your holiday sat line yet, but I think just based on the eyeball test, this guy looks like the best perimeter defender in the NBA. Shut down Dame and CJ to the tune of one of 15 in the first half. Like, just, just tell us your emotions right now following that 19-point lead down by just one with two minutes to play how are you feeling yeah man it was wild um i think uh you know early on it looked like it was a sloppy game our, we were our heads weren't in and we we're making some careless turnovers and you were starting to get worried and but then you see that we were just hanging in there no matter what when things weren't really going our way it wasn't getting away from us um defense was staying focused and then you know you knew the towards the end of the second half in the second quarter, you could see the offense starting to catch fire and things getting crisper. And then that explosion happened and you were like, all right, man, we're going to win this game. And, but then, you know, that doubt will always creep in when those two guys start hitting shots. And then um, that sure enough, we started shooting ourselves in the foot. We were beating ourselves up, uh, but terrible passes, bad decisions, um, you know, just back to back turnovers, uh, let them right back in the game. But then, you know, 
defense, our stars locked in defensively, you know, and closed that game out. And it was great. And that block by Drew at the end was just phenomenal. And, uh, you know, I, he was owed that because he had two great blocks in that game against Portland and that one at the end of the game against Portland in New Orleans where we lost, uh, you know, that felt like a play that was going to cause you to win that game. When you have a play like that, it's like, okay, we're going to win this now. And we didn't. So I felt like he was owed that and we got it. And it's just, uh, it was a fantastic game for Drew. I think, you know, a lot of national people are starting to understand why we've been uh, clamoring and singing Drew's praises for so long. Yeah, definitely. I think we just lost Grub, but I, I think one of the, the, the focal points that we were talking about going no, into I, is... Oh, sorry. Who did we just lose? Uh, you, it doesn't. Hey, man. Ooh, oh, my God. It. Ollie just dropped it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Okay, David, no disrespect to you. Welcome to Ollie, editor-in-chief of thebirdrights.com. Ollie, uh, we were just talking to Kevin about some of the factors that led to this victory. Of course, the two things we were most concerned with going into it was the backcourt of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, who were held to 13 of 41 on the night, plus 15 offensive rebounds. But I don't even care about that. Just tell me about like your blood pressure levels right now heading into that fourth quarter. We had a comfortable 12 point lead, saw it erased vapidly. How are you feeling, sir? <laughs> I am so faint and lightheaded right now. It's unbelievable. You knew they were going to make a run. The Blazers are always going to make a run on their home court with those two guards, as you just mentioned. And uh, the Pelicans, wow, those turnovers. Um, I'm at a loss for words, but honestly, Preston, this is like the biggest win I think I've ever seen, well, at least maybe in about 10 years for the Pelicans. It's unbelievable that they were able to hold on. And it's a true testament to the defense and, of course, Drew Holiday. Wow. I mean, if he doesn't come up with that strip and then that block in like the last two minutes of the game, the Pelicans lose this, no doubt, because they couldn't get anything going offensively. They, I mean, you saw that. They were, the ball movement died. They were not getting easy uh, looks at the rim. They were selling for jumpers. I mean, the points just dried up. So they had to figure out a way to get somehow somewhere at the end of the game, and it was through the defense. I'm, I'm shaking, guys. I'm literally shaking. <laughs> David, of course, follow David at DM Grub from Crescent City Sports. Pick whatever topic you want at this point, David. It's kind of a free-for-all. With that being said, I don't know if you remember back to the 2010-11 season with Jared Jack with that critical uh, final make with just, uh, I think it was like 15 seconds left on the assist from CP3. Put this into perspective, not just like in terms of jubilation, but in terms of like in the past seven years, is this the it's obviously the biggest victory in terms of Anthony Davis' young career, but just in terms of, like, blood pressure, uh, how, how are you feeling capitalizing on top of a Blazers team that we were comfortable to play versus the upstart seven-seed team beating the second-seeded Lakers? Which one, like, carries more weight? Um, yeah, I think this is a bigger one just because um, the way it ended, the the way – that this team played down the stretch um, and especially Drew Holiday's effort defensively, but, you know, they didn't uh, fall into that trap that they've fallen into where um, they can, they, you know, there was a, a brief period in the first half where they had a lead and they had to let it get cut. And then they did it in the second half and they had a lead and let it get cut. But what we've seen out of this team over and over again this year is that they continue to fight. Um, and I've said that there, it's not always pretty, but they continue to fight. And so I think that, to me, says a lot about the character of the team. It says a lot about the character of the coaching staff, that they were able to get through to guys and, and focus on their responsibilities 
down the stretch. And ultimately, um, the way I view this game is if someone came to me who had never watched the Pelicans before and they say, what is, what is it like to watch the Pelicans? This game is the entire season in four quarters. You know, this is just like what watching them is always about. These, these great periods of, of execution and, and athleticism and, and you just and wonderment when they're executing at their peak and then just that confusion of what the hell are they doing when they're throwing the ball away or the offense just stops. And then that resiliency that you see, the, that guys step up and make plays that maybe don't show up on box scores and don't get you stats to win major awards, but you see them and, you, and, and you, if you appreciate the, the game of basketball – you see how valuable those plays are. And I think that's, that's what this team did tonight. Kevin, when you look at the, the team statistics, just in general, this was a much slower pace than the Pelicans are used to playing. David just said this is like kind of typical for the Pelicans, and it truly is. I think something like 20 of the past 30 games have been 7 to 8 points or less. And, of course, the Pelicans were like 17 and 4 in games decided by 5 points or less before that three-game uh, sweep to the Cavaliers, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I can't remember who the third team was, probably the Trailblazers, because I remember the Rockets one wasn't that close. But with that being said, in this one, when you just look at the stat sheet, you see offense of rebounds the Blazers have the advantage you see fast break points the Blazers have a very comfortable advantage 29 to 17 but and the Pelicans had 12 fewer shots than Blazers based on some of those second chance opportunities but with that being said it wasn't the offense that led the Pelicans to this victory with just 97 points something the Pelicans have been ranked number one or two at all season long whether with boogie or without boogie it was the defense talk about how the culture of the new orleans pelicans has just completely shifted in the past two months to to they're becoming incredible help defenders they're they're trapping they're they're providing double teams on guys like damian lillard and cj mccollum is this the team that the pelicans always had or they turned it up a notch I mean, I think feel like they've definitely turned it up a notch. We've talked about Drew Holiday, how he was always a, a very, very good defender. But oh, since the All-Star break, he seems to have taken it up to an even another notch. And, um, you know, it's like, what is the level above elite perimeter defender? And that's what Drew is playing at. He's like above elite right now. And then Anthony Davis... Early on in the season, we saw him coast defensively from time to time, but he's been in completely engaged in the last month and a half on that defensive end, racking up blocks, uh, just making hustle plays a lot. I mean, we saw some great recovery from him uh, on a block tonight. Um, And it's just, uh, and I just think that's trickling down. And then you have a more engaged Rondo, which we know as the game start meaning more, he seemingly plays better. And then he's a great communicator on that end. So that's getting everybody else going. And then I guess I think, somewhat the matchups are, are a little bit better on the perimeter as well with some of the rotations that we have going on. Um, and then you're right there. We are seeing uh, smarter traps and things like that too, which is obviously a scheme thing. We don't know if that was in place and it just wasn't happening or if guys were lost and are now uh, more in tuned as the season goes on or it's being more drilled in their head because of the importance but yeah, there's definitely a greater defensive intensity than what we have seen, um, especially pre All Star break, but even um, you know a month and a half ago. 
Ali, talk about an MVP. Obviously, Drew Holiday is going to get all the claim that he's been lacking all season long. Everybody's going to be talking about him over the next three days until the next contest on Tuesday. But outside of Drew Holiday and his incredible impact on both ends of the floor, you've got Anthony Davis, who is averaging, I think, 36 points and like 11 and a half rebounds in his two contests with the Blazers today. And he was pretty on point with those averages. He came away with 35 points, 14 rebounds, four blocks and two steals. But also in, in terms of like coaching, Alvin Gentry stuck with Nicole Meritich. We were all kind of pulling for, you know, a Mecca Okafor to kind of mitigate what Yusuf Nurkic had been doing. He allowed the Blazers to get their offensive rebounds, just trusting his team to play incredible defense. And Meritich paid off uh, a plus 13 on the night, 16 points, 11 rebounds, three assists, including that incredible, much needed fourth uh, quarter assist to Anthony Davis that came to that easy dub. Outside of Drew Holiday, Ali, who impressed you the most in this one? I've got to go with Rondo because the only reason the Pelicans built at, uh, what was it? I forget what the league got up to. It was almost 20 points, right, guys? 19. 19. Yeah. So when they got to that point, it was all strictly thanks to Rondo. I thought that he did a great job at the time. I remember tweeting out in like towards the end of the third quarter where he was coming up huge on the uh, defensive glass. His eight rebounds took away potentially eight uh, offensive rebounds for the Blazers, who finished with 15 offensive rebounds. That's crazy. When you look at the stat line press, and the Pelicans shouldn't have won this game. They shot 33% from three-point range, gave up, uh, made uh, 14 turnovers, and I've already just mentioned the amount of offensive rebounds they gave up. And uh, they were held to under 100 points. That's usually been a very bad sign for the Pelicans, who, as we all know, have relied on their offense to win games this season. So for the defense to come up absolutely clutch, yeah, I know that the Trailblazers outscored the Pels 32-22 in the final quarter. But again, that was because it basically became a battle royale out there. And you know what? I was worried, and I think that was my biggest worry, is for the large portion of that fourth quarter, the Blazers played with the bigger intensity. They had the more, you know, decisive effort where they were coming up with all the 50-50 balls. They were the ones that were kind of pushing, kind of shoving. And give credit to the referees. They, they called a consistent game where they weren't going to call anything. Outside of like a touch foul or two, they didn't call anything. But over the final two, three uh, minutes, the Pelicans kind of stepped it up on that end, like I said. And it was, you know, Drew Holiday started that off with his two defensive plays. But there was a lot of big, big uh, moments for a lot of Pelicans players. You touched on AD. His stat line sensational. And I think Nikola Miritich deserves a lot of credit, too. I think, honestly, tonight the Pelicans only won the game simply because they had a big four out there. Uh, they, you know, everybody in Fox Sports News or, or New Orleans uh, is talking about this new big three, but you got to include Rondo. So to me, it's like a big four, and they all showed up brightly uh, and strongly, and all you know, put their stamp on this game. And uh, you know, the role players. I mean, outside of Ian Clark making a few shots, and of course, he wow, that big three pointer he had uh, was absolutely huge. But other than that, it was the team was totally carried by four guys on the team or by on the team against this Blazers squad, who's a really, they're relentless. That's one thing you should take away from this game. The Blazers never quit. They gave it their best shot. And sure, they didn't have some shots going, but the Pelicans just took, I think, their, you know, the best punch that Portland had, had on the night, and they walked away victorious. I mean, Kevin touched on it, uh, and so is David. This is a very resilient team. We've seen it all year. They tied with the Cleveland Cavaliers for the most wins in crunch time. I think it was with 30. So it's just absolutely appropriate that they won this one in the final few minutes of the game.
Yeah, and I definitely love Rajon Rondo on Evan Turner, and I hope something that that will continue. Uh, of course, Turner tried to take advantage of him in the post, and as soon as he backed him into the post, that collected uh, some of Anthony Davis' four blocks, as well as Nikola Miritich's four blocks. With that being said, uh, Grub, pick pick a topic that you want, uh, but I do I do want somebody to give some kind of soliloquy to one of the best players in the game, Anthony Davis. 35 points, 14 rebounds, four blocks, two steals. He started out kind of slow with the free throw line, just two of four, but he made them when he counted. He hit his last five three throws, including an and one early on in the fourth quarter, and then four consecutive uh, free throws to seal the game. Talk about how big Anthony Davis was. I know that we're taking it in for granted, and I know that we're giving so much acclaim to Drew Holiday because he has sorely missed it and deserved it this season. But with that being said, Anthony Davis was by far the best player on the court in this matchup, and we thought that he would be going going into it, and he just proved it to all of us. Yeah, I think the uh, biggest thing that you take away from AD tonight was that he went to the basket um, and got to the free throw line. Uh, Ali and I have talked about this a lot, that when AD gets in the lane, there's a lot of times where he'll veer away from the contact um, so he can try to get the shot off. And in the playoffs, it's more important sometimes to get the foul call than it is to get the shot, uh, to put the other team in the penalty. And Davis was aggressive in doing that tonight on the offensive end. Now, you saw when his legs kind of wore down in the second half that he started to settle for, for a few more jumpers. Um, but he, he saved that energy on the offensive end and, and applied it on the defensive end. He was still scrapping, getting on the floor after blocking a shot. He, he was right in the mix. Um, and he wasn't just, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, just relying on covering for people's mistakes on defense. He was actively defending. Um, he probably had his best uh, complete game defensively that I've seen him in a while, um, just in uh, being able to cover multiple guys. Uh, staying in uh, on a couple of the fouls were uh, tic-tac fouls, but you know, that's going to happen in the playoffs and on the road, but AD when they needed him each time he and drew both responded um, AD set the tone uh, early on. So I think that that was uh, just a big, uh, you know, a, a piece for this team was that if your best player doesn't come out of the gate firing, it's a lot harder for everybody else. And there was a that brief struggle for the Pelicans to put the ball in the basket, but AD started getting it going, and the rest of the guys um, in that starting unit started to fall behind uh, him. So that was I – thought, I thought that Anthony did everything that he could do tonight. He was a leader, uh, and that was the, one of the things I was most excited about seeing in this series was he going to step up and continue to not just produce a stat line, but to really be the leader of the team and show that guys could get on his back. The second thing is I just, um, you know, you see what adjustments the Pelicans are going to have to make um, as you look ahead to game two. Um, you know, that, that kind of was something that I thought about throughout the second half is that, A, the Pelicans are going to have to play, um, in my opinion, uh, Okafor and give him some minutes uh, to help on the glass. Not a lot of minutes, but the Blazers rotate so many bigs onto the floor over the course of the game. You're going to wear down Veritich and Davis, so you've got to be able to give them a breather with guys who can collect rebounds. And the other thing is that they're going to have to make an adjustment when Shabazz Napier comes in the game because he sees Rajon Rondo and his eyes light up and he's able to get to the rim or he's able to get the shots that he wants. Rondo just can't cover his quickness. Uh, and so the Pelicans, I think, um, if, if, I think Shabazz will get more minutes as he did in the last two games when the Pelicans played the Blazers in the regular season. And, and then defensively, that's going to be, have to be an adjustment. 
And then the third thing is just we, you know the Blazers are not going to shoot this way in every game. So the Pelicans are going to have to continue to increase the tempo. They only got up 84 uh, shots, 86 shots tonight, and the Blazers got up nearly 100. That has to change. The Pelicans have to get near 100 again, increase the pace. And part of that comes from not turning the ball over and just some of that shot selection, too, that they had. And, of course, giving the Blazers extra possessions with the offensive glass. And just to give you uh, guys an idea of what we're going to be doing in the next two days, Kevin and Stephen DeWald of Blazers Edge is going to join us tomorrow night. We're going to talk about rotations in depth, how the Blazers are going to counterpunch the Pelicans on Tuesday. And then on Monday night, we're going to have editor-in-chief of Blazers Edge, David McKay, as well as our own editor-in-chief, Ali Cosell. With that being said, uh, Kevin, there, there are some things to talk about in terms of rotations and stuff. And I want tonight to be a celebration. We don't have to necessarily criticize Ian Clark, Solomon Hill, Darius Miller, check the all the guys that Alvin Gentry uh, brought off the bench because for the most part, these guys had a pop- positive impact. They like Ian Clark uh, in the fourth quarter, that three point shot. We all thought that the game was falling away from us when he hit that shot. I think it kind of restored the faith of the Pelicans fan base, as well as maybe the guys on the court. With that being said, Kevin, talk about some guys that might, not have been part of that main four. Etwan Moore, of course, gave great defense. There was one possession specifically early in the third quarter where C.J. McCollum was fighting over a screen. He was trying to get some looks early on, trying to get going. Etwan Moore fought over the screen so hard he got pulled by whoever the guy was setting the pick, but he still got there in time to to thwart C.J. McCollum from his three-point jumper, and he had to get rid of the ball. Etwan Moore was fighting all game long in his 27 minutes, and of course, you've got Check the Al Darius Miller, Solomon Hill, Ian Clark. Of those five guys, who do you think made the biggest impact and who do you look to make another impact like it in game two? Well, yeah, I mean, um, Ian Clark and Etwan Moore had the biggest impact of those guys because of Ian's shot. And then Moore, like you said, was doing a pretty nice job on CJ McCollum early. And while we're talking about matchups, I just want to say, like, um, you know, we did see exactly what David uh, Fisher had said we would see if we put um, Rondo on, on, um, Evan Turner, which is what he and I both hoped is that they would, uh, it, but it was David who said that, you know, that would bait them into posting, posting him up on Rondo. And then that would, uh, you know, get them to run their offense through that a little bit and get them out of what they really want to do. And then that's, you know, it's not an efficient shot for him. And especially if you are able to allow Anthony Davis to, you know, play center field on that. Um, so that was nice to see that as well. But um, I think, you know, it's weird. You look at this game and you would say, you know, the things that we talked about going into it is that we have to worry about them uh, getting offensive rebounds. And also the other thing that we need to worry about is um, giving up easy turnovers because they're not a team that creates turnovers. And we did both of those things wrong um, in this game, and we still won because of that defense and those matchups that we had. Um, but I think the guy that really needs to, you know, I think it's just he was pressing too much, probably too jacked up, too excited, is check the aloe because we're going to need him going forward because those rebounding numbers, you know, they're going to stay like that. They're going to, they're a good offensive rebounding team. Um, and we're going to need another guy that can get rebounds. We're going to need a guy that can spell uh, Davis and Miritich. And we don't think it's going to be a Mecca Ogafor, not because we don't think he can do it, but because. We think that Alvin Gentry doesn't want to put him out there because he wants to play a faster tempo. Um, so we need Check to settle down. Um, you know, he made a couple of nice plays tonight, but mostly he just seemed like he was pressing. So hopefully uh, that evens out for him. Um, 
and he gets the jitters out in this game and he's ready to roll next game because I don't know if it's razor burn or what, but it seemed you guys notice how red Miritich's face gets. Like he's puffing <laughs> out there. Like he looked like Tom Coughlin on the sidelines, like that red, you know. So I'm um, I'm hoping that we can give these guys some somebody will step up in that department, even if it's like a Darius Miller to stretch the floor. If it's not a rebounding uh thing, if we just bail on trying to get offensive rebounds. But we need another guy to play the four. Um to, to give these guys some breaks. Now, all four of the Pelican starters played 39 minutes or more. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know who I just cut off. I was going to throw it to Ollie next. Did, did you want to say something, David? No, actually, it was no, you me. Can go okay, yeah. Ollie, go for it. Yeah, I just wanted to interject real quickly. The, uh, the uh, Blazers scored 50 points of their 95 on either second chance points or fast break points. That's why I don't think too, much, too many adjustments are needed. I don't think that the rotations need to be juggled too much. The Pelicans just need to improve their fundamentals, guys. Pelicans committed 14 turnovers, which, you know, in the first half of the season, honestly, isn't a big number for them. But the fact that the Blazers, who score, I think, what did I say, on average, eight points something fast break points a game, and they had 29. They had 29 on 14 turnovers. I'm telling you guys, you just got to tighten that up. And and like we've been always preaching is the second chance points. 15 offensive rebounds. I'm honestly – Kind of impressed that the Blazers only end up with 21 second chance points. So think about it. you cut off, you know, that that's cutting off the head of the snake right there. If you can just eliminate all those um, extra points the Pelicans gave up, all those easy points, then suddenly you don't have to worry about Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum or whoever exploding. Because guess what? You've suddenly eliminated 20 to 30 points that honestly they shouldn't have had. So I don't think too many adjustments are needed. I just think they need to look at the game tape, look at what went wrong, and uh, just the players need to just ingest of handling the moment because, you know, we saw that in the fourth quarter. It kind of got big for them. I mean, those turnovers, some of those passes were iffy, some of those decisions they made were really iffy. So the fact that they went through it, that the fact that they walked away with the win is going to be huge uh, going forward. But as far as adjustments, precedent, guys, I don't think they need to make too much. They just got to clean up their act, and I think they'll be fine. And honestly, I think tonight – they showed that they're the better team to me. I mean, I know that, you know, the Blazers didn't have their games um, that they expect, especially out of their stars. But, you know, what? that's kind of been the, uh, the uh, standard all season in all four matchups where somehow both of those, their backcourt has not been uh, reigning supreme. I just think it's a testament to our guys, AD, as you mentioned, Preston, who didn't get enough love. He's going to have his huge game of 35-plus um, and then you've got Drew Holiday, who contributes 20 points and incredible defense. So the Pelicans don't need to do, do too much. They just need to clean up their act. All right, let's throw it over to David, and then we're going to get some predictions and get out of here. Uh, of course, uh, it was a 14-0 row, uh, 14-0 run in the second quarter. The Pelicans have really been capitalizing on these teams, on these bench unit runs uh, against the Clippers. It was between the second and the third. It was 33-4 against the, the Spurs. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it was 19-4, and this one is 14-0. That's one storyline that you can pick. The other one is that the, the Blazers only played Yusuf Nurkic 25 minutes and they gave Ed Davis 20 minutes in this one. And I think a lot of that can be attributed to Nikola Meritish 40% shooting from three point range. Would you expect a heavier dosage of Yusuf Nurkic in game two? Do you think they'll kind of stick to their own rotations? How would you expect the Blazers to adjust? Blazers have played their bigs. You know, I think every one of them is getting at least 12 minutes a game throughout the course of the season. It's what they do. They like to, to keep their guys fresh. And I think it's the Pelicans that's a smart strategy. 
um, because Ed Davis, you saw he was very active around the glass. Um, he, you know, had some offensive putbacks, a lot of rebounds. Um, you know, I think he causes problems when he's on the floor um, and he's playing well. The, the two guys on their bench that like the two guys on the bench that I'm always thinking about are Napier and Ed Davis because they are the most active guys that Portland brings off their bench. Uh, but I don't think that that Nurkic's issue tonight was, you know, I think the style of play was where Portland kind of wanted it. Um, but Nurkic was missing some shots and defensively he just uh, wasn't playing uh, at his best. I think he missed some bunnies. Uh, and I think that, that they just wanted to, to to get out and be able to pressure a little bit better. They went smaller for a while. Um, and, and I think they'll make their adjustment as the game goes on. You know, each game in a playoff series is its own game. They, they A lot of times I don't think things carry over from one game to the next. Um, you know, the best player still is going to be the best player, and that's Anthony Davis. But we have to see, you know, is, is Drew going to do this again? And we want him to. Um, we don't want him to be a 10-point scorer in the next game. We want him to keep doing this. We want to see Rondo be playoff Rondo again. But we'd also like to see Darius Miller make a shot. You'd also like to see, um, you know, Solomon Hill be able to get on the floor. And, and, I mean, he hit one shot tonight, and that's great. But you want to see him be able to get on the floor and contribute in, in other ways. And like you said with Czech Diallo, you're going to need him at some point. So um, I think that's the thing with the Pelicans now is can you sustain this? Don't go into game two thinking you've got one in pocket because we've seen them struggle at home uh, to, to close teams out on occasion. So go into game two like it's game one and you want to steal that one as well uh, and go home up 2-0. And if they do that, then we're talking about, you know, a whole different series here than, than I think, you know, I predicted this game series to go seven. Most people say six, you know, and there are a few calling five. But I think, I mean, if they go back home, up 2-0. It's going to be crazy at the Smoothie King Center next Thursday. All right. We're going to get some brief uh, previews of game two, from, or predictions, I should say, from Kevin, Ollie, and David. And then we're going to let you guys plug your stuff because there's a lot of content that's flinging out in the next couple of days. This is a great time to be a Pelicans fan, blogger, writer, all that stuff. Kevin, game two on Tuesday, the Trailblazers are going to shoot better. They're going to make some adjustments. How do you see it going? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to shoot better. Um, they're still going to out-rebound us. I think we're going to clean up the, the turnover situation that we had. But, you know, I like I said, I think this is a very evenly matched series. Not not style of play, but quality of team um, and uh, quality of team play. So I think, you know, I always said it was going to be a six or seven game series. And if it's six, the Pelicans win. And if it's seven, Portland won it. Um, but I think. Um, we're going to drop the next one um, and then get the next two at home. So I think, uh, you know, it's hard to win back-to-back nights on the road like that, especially in a playoff environment, especially after such an emotional, um, you know, collapse and then rise again um, kind of game. And you know that those guys, that Portland has gone in the locker room saying, you know, we didn't shoot our best. We're going to we're gonna come out differently the next game, and they're going to come out with something to prove in their home stadium. Um so I think, you know, it's a, it's a really tough situation to win in and it's nothing to look down on the team for thinking that they lose. But then again, if the, if the Pelicans were to win, it wouldn't surprise me. I just think it's such an evenly matched uh, series. All right, Ollie, you're next. Oh, this one's tough to call because like David said, um, it, it's like a different game, every single playoff game. And he's absolutely right. What if the referees decide to call it just a little bit closer? Suddenly you change the entire um 
you know, the complexity of the game as to where suddenly free throws are a huge factor. And that's something that Portland, I think, really lacked and missed tonight, getting those easy buckets, easy shots uh, from the free throw line. That's how Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum always get themselves going when they're struggling. And they really weren't able to do that tonight. Um, but that being said, let's just say if it's called tightly again, then I think, honestly, I'm going to give the edge to the Pelicans. I mean, they built up a very impressive lead. Um, and they, they, they had a really good effort there in the second and third quarters as to where they honestly were the, the superior team. Their offense flowed, their defense shut down, whatever the Portland Trailblazers wanted to do. And it took a really sizable almost collapse by the Pelicans in the fourth to you know, bring this down to the final minutes of the game. So I expect for the Pelicans, honestly, to learn more than the Blazers did. I mean, remember, I've been tweeting this out. I've been writing about the Blazers came into this playoff series as the coldest shooting outside team in the league. And tonight, I think they shot about 30% from three, and they closed out the game 40% from three in the second half. So I think the Blazers, you can't expect them to play that much better, honestly. It's a playoff atmosphere, and we've got to start giving some credit to the Pelicans' defense. We know McCollum and Lillard are great shooters, but you know what? The Pelicans' defense is great with Drew Holiday and the game planning that everybody else does to take away uh, they're big guns. Um, you got to expect that to be there as well. So I'm going to say that the Pelicans are going to pull off the victory simply because I picked this series to, you know, be over in five games. So I'm going to stick to it. And I'm going to say the Pelicans eke out a victory, even though I'm going to say Damian Lillard or CJ McClellan, one of those two guys is really going to go off. But I think that uh, the Pelicans will be able to absorb that. All right. What about you, David? Um, I think just like Kevin, I, I think it's, it's hard to, to be in Portland and win back-to-back games. Uh, I think the Pelicans will continue to, to beat up on C.J. McCollum. He has not played well against the Pelicans the entire season. I think he's averaged 15 points against them um, and just not shooting the ball well at all. Um, so if they can continue to hold McCollum down, um, I think those, you know, they'll stay in this game. But I don't expect uh, Lillard to play as poorly as he did uh, for a second game. I do expect him – to get to the line a little bit more. Um, and then, I, I, you know, again, it's always tough to, to expect Drew to follow up offensively um, the game that he had tonight. He was so efficient on the offensive end, uh, except for a couple of bad passes. I think the Blazers eke this one out and we'll go back 1-1. Um, but it, it'll be a, a very close game again. All right, that's it for now. Tomorrow we'll be back with Kevin and Stephen DeWald of Blazers Edge. And on Monday we'll have boss man Ali Cosell and editor to Blazers Edge, award-winning journalist Mr. David McKay. I want to take a moment just to apologize for, for my lack of preparation. I wanted to, to give you guys the most raw reaction we possibly could. I wanted to, I wanted it to happen the night of so that you could get just, just a sense of our jubilation and have this ready for you guys on Sunday morning so that you guys can enjoy your, your day and kind of whistle your way until Tuesday. With that being said, We've got a lot of stuff coming at you guys. Check out thebirdrights.com for everything uh, from X factors to rotations to, to any manner of things that uh, we, we've got great stuff from Zach, from Trevor, uh, from Kevin and Travis. Ali is consistently writing great stuff. Uh, and also at Crescent City Sports, David, why don't you take a moment and uh, why don't you plug some of the stuff you're working on? Yeah, so um, obviously my article about the game will be up tomorrow on crescentcitysports.com. And then uh, every Thursday from 1220 to 4 o'clock, I am on KYOK Radio in Houston talking uh, a wide range of sports. And uh, 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 I try to sit in with Roe Brown on WBOK this Friday. We'll be, we'll be talking, of course, Pelicans basketball and getting ready for the same season coming up, too.
Very cool. We're always so appreciative, David Grubb. He's always available when we need him. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Ali Cosell, our editor. What have you got going on, sir? I got to go write the recap now. I'm glad <laughs> settled me down a little bit because otherwise all it was going to consist of the, the actual article. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, any, any thoughts that you want, you're going to take us out here. So the pressure is all on you. Give us your reaction. Give us like just, just the feelings and the thoughts of a new Orleans Pelicans fan in the city of new Orleans, taking away game one of a playoff series, Anthony Davis. We've been thinking all year long, this guy's frustrated. He wants to leave. Injury concerns, Alan Gentry, Dell Demps on the hot season, on the hot seat, excuse me. Take us out of here, Kevin. How much like joy comes with a game one victory in the playoffs? I mean, it's amazing. And I wanted the what I wanted to chime in a little bit earlier when you were asking David comparing this to the um the Hornets and in, in uh Lakers series, which one was more important getting wins in, in those series. And I feel like this one definitely is because I feel like this one is more our team, you know. Uh, during the, you know, we were just given the Hornets. Um, everybody here had um, their own basketball team and um, and had allegiance to other teams. And then we were given this one. We all had to sort of join, follow this team all of a sudden out of the blue. And then um, after a while, you know, you start to learn about ownership, ownership issues, and our superstar seems disgruntled. Then he's he's going to leave. But now this team is, you know, locally owned. It has an identity that reflects the city more. We have a superstar that's continually pledged his allegiance to the city. And, um, you know, he I feel like he's a better superstar than the one we had. I mean, that's up for debate for other people. Personally, I like him more than I like CP, CP3. Um, so I'm more excited about this team, and I feel like this team has more depth and more character, I think, than any other team that we've had in a while. So um, for me, it's just you know, a great new chapter in New Orleans basketball. And it's something that we should all be excited for. And hopefully, you know, this is going to push this team to a close to achieving closer of a level in the city's hearts as the Saints. I know it probably will never make it that way all the way to the top to an even level. But hopefully, you know, we're ascending and it's spreading throughout. And, you know, I work in a bar that's super popular where people come in all the time. And I am seeing tons of Pelicans gear now. And it's very, it's it's a very good thing to see. You know, I used to always see tons of other teams' gear in there, but now it's you know a ton of Pelican stuff every day, which is you know it's it's fun, and I'm glad the city's embracing this team. I'm your host Preston Ellis. Tomorrow we'll be back with Kevin and Stephen Dewald of Blazers Edge. On Monday we'll have David McKay and Ali Cosell. For now, let's go Pels. We hope you've enjoyed listening to the bird calls on OTG and nothing but net here on Dash Radio. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. Today's show was brought to you by SAP. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm feeling great, thanks. How about you? You feeling happy? A little angry? People have so many feelings, millions of them. But what if businesses could really understand all of those feelings and then act on them? to make their customers feel better. It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management, and it's here. Because the future of business has feelings, and I've got a feeling we're all going to like it. Go to sap.com xm to learn more.
Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis. How was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat? What? GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.